You're listening to In The Lead, the podcast for real estate pros looking to grow their business. Whether you're new to the business or a seasoned pro, we come to you each week with the latest technology and online strategies to help you sell more, work less, and make a difference in your community through your real estate business. This show is brought to you by Easy Agent Pro, creators of Lead Sites, the ultimate lead generation website for agents. For show notes and links, check out EasyAgentPro slash podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, EA peers. It is Friday. Uh, normally, we do the recording on Thursday, but we decided to do Friday today, so happy Friday to everybody. Um, I am feeling good, bright, uh, happy, refreshed. It is nice, sunny, beautiful day in Albuquerque, and today we've got Mr. Kelvin. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Hi. Hey, guys. Dude, I heard that you had a fantastic play coming up, and it was the uh, preview night last night. How did it go? Yeah, it went great. Um, I do theater when I'm not working, when he's not a professional man. Right. When I'm not a professional man, I'm doing theater. I like to perform, sing, all that fun stuff. So Heck yeah. yeah. So What's the play? It. Evita. Heck yeah, dude. I saw the picture. You look great. It's a brilliant, brilliant picture. Thanks, man. So <laughs> looking forward to going to see it. Congratulations. Hopefully the show went well and, and we'll, uh, we'll yell some scoops at you this weekend. Thanks, buddy. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, and we also have Alec in the house. How you doing, Alec? Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. How does it feel without the beard? I got to say, feels, I'm a little disappointed. It feels spring, summer, fresh. You know. Does it? Yeah, I always thought that beards would be like seasonal. a good. They'd be a good combative measure for like allergies. All the pollen gets caught up in your flavor saver and, and builds you know, you up your uh, yeah. immunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Y'all are you Is there a science that's behind that? Yeah, that's a it's beardology. You need to be a beardologist to it's figure a, that out. That needs to be a thing. <laughs> really we should, should make that. There you go. There you go. Um you still eating some weird yogurty treats and stuff with peanut butter and weird stuff? I in try it? to, man. I try to. Yeah, we got these uh egg cups too that are like you bake them in muffins, you know, eggs with bell peppers and sausage and stuff and you Bake oh, a little quiche, like I, a little quiche. I do that too, quiche. Dude. Yeah, bake, no, you you bake them, like for the week. You do not do that. Dude, no breakfast quiche. Yeah, with like a little like the muffin tray. Yeah, exactly. You just bake them in there, and yeah, you yeah. get like two dozen of them, and you're like good to go put for some, like a week, ten. Put days. some sriracha on that. And yeah. You're good to go. Sriracha. <laughs> you what? You said bell peppers and bacon. Bell Is peppers. That what you said? Uh, bell peppers, sausage. Yeah, and eggs. Whip it you all. Watch that. You gotta watch that cholesterol, dog. Telling you. Oh no! Be careful. It helps grow the beard, right? The eggs. The <laughs> yeah, eggs there you help go. Grow the beard. Get a little grease in there, man. You got to shine it up. <laughs> Very That's cool. Really We're gonna don't do that. <laughs> Very cool. We're gonna move on to the Beatzilla questions. We had a lot of really fantastic questions this last couple weeks, and uh, I just wanted to jump right into it today. Um, the first one is from Andrea. Um, this was specifically a question for Kelvin. Uh, she uh, reviewed my. She said, "I reviewed my Google Analytics today, specifically my Google ranking position for keywords and also my CTR. I'm coming up in rankings positions of anywhere from 75 to 100 on important terms like Baton Rouge Realtor or Baton Rouge Real Estate. I need to rank better where my keyword terms include my city name or something to do with real estate. How can I improve my Google position and therefore hopefully my CTR? Thank you, Kelvin. Go ahead and take that away, man. I know you got some pretty good answers for that one. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all." I would like to also point out that it was addressed for Tyler and I, but Tyler's not, not here. He's not here. We don't. So I will definitely be taking the lead on this one, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, you won't get cut off um, either. Or talk nice and slow, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first of all, you want to create 
a, a well-established internal linking system on your site. And what I mean is use your Instafarm page as Baton Rouge um, Homes for Sale. For example, that could be the main keyword. That's going to be the most difficult keyword that you're going to want to be trying to rank for in the long term. And then start using um, pet-friendly parks in Baton Rouge, all these other long-tail keywords, things like that in your blogs, um, which you'll rank for faster, but then connect those back to your main Instafarm page. You're going to start ranking for those long-tail keywords first, and the progress you make with those and the blog articles in that section are going to contribute to the improved ranking of the main Instafarm page itself and the more competitive keyword term. There you go. And that's what I would be doing. Yeah. Easy peasy, Alex, what right? Do you think? Yeah, actually, I was going to say, too, that there's a newer-ish video, The Complete Guide to Real Estate Websites with Tyler, um, that's up on the YouTube channel where he talks about this, about um, in blogging, people going out and doing, like, Dallas homes for sale. And it's it's just way too high competition to start there. And even Well, those are, like, do, massively big wins, like super huge wins. It takes yeah. a and, long and time. You do yeah. want to probably have some content in there for that, but it's going to – you're playing the long game there, and you are you probably not, might not get competitively listed for those for, like – I think Tyler says, like, one to three years or something like that, whereas with really targeted – Knit more niche keywords within your area, like subdivisions or whatever. You can have really fast wins on those, but those big targeting your whole your whole market is is not realistic to rank for immediately. Well, I like I like the way Kelvin puts it, saying that it's it's a network, right? So your t- think of it as like a tree. Your tree trunk is going to be your homepage, and the way you get people or the way you feed energy to that tree trunk is by the branches, and the branches are all those different links that you have set up and and small little wins. Um, the small, you know, the smaller ones like the niche communities and stuff like that, um, will benefit you just as equal. It's a little bit more work, absolutely, but they'll benefit you just as equally, if not more, um, than like a huge win, like you said, like Dallas homes for sale or just Dallas or something like that. Yeah. You got to look for those little wins that are connected to that bigger tree trunk of Baton Rouge homes for sale. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the biggest things too, with SEO in general is not to get discouraged after a few months. I feel like people are expecting so much return in such a small time frame. SEO really is, and anything like this with keyword research, long tail keywords, it's a really, it is a long-term game. So it's going to take quite a while before you see that type of progress. SEO is like planting a farm. Uh, I think Tyler gave me this metaphor once and it was like, SEO is like planting a farm and ads are going to be like going out for a steak dinner that night. Right. And I was yeah, like, right. okay, yeah. So it's just, really understand have have the proper expectations with this right that's right a, yeah that's a good point that's a great yeah my my thing too i mean it, you know an seo goes for everything like ranking ranking on results for anything it takes a lot it takes a while like you said it's playing the long game um look at the podcast for instance we had a huge jump in downloads and the reason for that is we finally ranked because we've been consistent we've added content we've made sure to figure out how to get our you know our um now i'm brain farting our keywords down and focused and now we're starting to get a lot more traffic coming to and from the podcast area. So it goes it goes hand in hand with anything that you do. If you want to create content, you need to be aware that there's a, a long a, a playing a waiting game, a patience. There's there's patience involved with it. So I wholeheartedly agree with you guys. I love it. Um, get those get that network set up. That'd be really cool. And it's kind of cool. Like I, I don't know. I, I think it shows it shows that you're interested in your community a lot more too. If you do find those little niches and you and you're able to take advantage of those, right? So it does. Also, just before we move on, one last thing, Andrea, another big thing that can help you is um, going back after a couple of months and revising the content or adding additional content. That's also going to really help keep your your page fresh and relevant. So doing that with your blogs and your Instafarm page, that's also something you can be doing on a, you know, every two to three month basis. Just add 
on video or a new picture or another paragraph in there. Just keep the or statistics if your statistics change. Yeah, school district. You can always be changing out numbers. Just a way to continually update it. That's also really going to help you. School districts are a fantastic way to quickly and easily update information. You know, schools get great idea. Yeah, Yeah, school schools get numbers from the year for exactly because there's there's new rankings and stuff coming out every year. Every every year, every every half a semester, give or take. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. Um, that's a fantastic way to just stay relevant and it's quick and easy. Copy and paste that number or, or update that that link and you're done. It's super simple. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a good example of somewhere to start. And like like Tyler, or like Tyler, I'm sorry. Kelvin, you're like Tyler right now. You're, you're, the, you're the head honcho because you're here. <laughs> um, like, Kel- <laughs> like, like Kelvin said, updating a picture or even something even more simple like that works as well. So stay relevant, stay updated, create that network and get that tree growing um, and make sure you have that farm organic for Robert because he loves green stuff. (laughs) Good answers. Good answers. I love it, guys. Thank you very much. We will move on to the next one. Uh, Christian Albano uh, asked, what is a good length and and monetary value spent to run an ad before deciding it's not working? Kelvin, go ahead and tackle that bad boy. And then Alec can chime in. Hey, I'll, All right, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. Oh, do it! You no, no, it, no. you're you're messing the flow, dude. I can't uh, do. That. I can't. Sorry, you gotta keep it fresh, man. <laughs> keep it fresh. Well, me and Kelvin had talked about this before, and, and I'll just I'll set it up, and then and then Kelvin can slam dunk. Oh, there. nice. Uh, just <laughs> the alley oop. About how length of, <laughs> length of time run and amount spent are sort of like to find out if an ad's going to work. Those are sort of like inversely related. Um, so mm-hmm. like if you're going to spend a little bit every day, you need to run that ad for a little bit longer to find out, to get like a, a significant amount of data to find out whether that's going to work or not. And if you want to find out fast, you can spend a little more per day and you're, you're getting more clicks, you're getting more impressions and you can find out a little bit quicker. Go ahead. Kevin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Slam dunk it. The biggest thing, the the, the biggest problem I see is agents set, and I get it, you're scared, you don't know if the ad's going to work, you want to play it conservative, so I see agents do $5 a day for like two weeks, and it's like dipping their toe in every single day, and it's not getting them the numbers they need to determine whether or not it's a a successful ad, it's not giving their ad the exposure it deserves, because $5 isn't going to make your ad competitive with, you know, other people competing for ad space and the eyeballs that you want to be reaching as well, so... The biggest thing you could do is bolster the budget in a small time frame, get enough data, make your ad more competitive immediately, and then decide whether or not it's an effective ad and whether or not you want to continue running it. So don't set an end date to the ad. Um, set a high daily budget to start with. Get some good data, some good numbers, and you can pause and stop it anytime you want. You could set your daily budget to $50. 50, that's it, yeah. And you could stop at 30 if you get uncomfortable. You're not forced to spend that 50 um, and then, you know, break down the numbers. If it works out, if it makes sense, continue running the ad. Don't be afraid to keep, keep it going. Um, there is an argument that could be made that Facebook does auto optimize within the first three days. So typically some people might recommend, um, running it past that time to start getting like decent. <clears throat> Are you okay? Yeah, sorry. I'm good. I, <clears throat> I had to clear my throat. <laughs> You're going crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's what I would be doing. Uh, the argument could be made, and people will tell you that you want to wait at least three days for auto optimization. But I would just bolster that budget immediately and get the numbers you need to determine whether or not it's a good ad. Right. But like, just from a 
<clears throat> sort of a finding, like finding your next winner. Like we, we've, we've been talking a lot lately about split testing and about how you got to test multiple things to find what that winner is. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to spend like $5 a day over two weeks on one ad, that's like, you can always make more money. You can't get time back. And like, do you want to wait two weeks to find out if an ad's going to work or just put the 50 buck bucks up now, find out if that ad's going to work. And then you can immediately go to the next one and go to the next one until you find something that works for you. If you can spend a little extra money up front and find out faster, like that's, that's usually the better way to go. Well, that's more important. I think it's more important to not necessarily ask like the, I mean, obviously it is an important question. It's a very good question, but in my, my mind would be, not how long or how much money I'm going to spend on the ad, but what is the ad really about? Like what, what is the benefit that these people who are checking and clicking this ad going to get? And what am I going to get out of it? So setting up a really, really good game plan from A to Z instead of just worrying about the price and the time, um, you know, might help you out with a much more successful ad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, the message and the value and the ad and the strategy that you're going into it with is, is you know, that's the foundation of building a good ad. That's a very good point. Um, I'm also wondering, I mean, and I want to say, I'm curious what Alec thinks about this too. Like, I think with a budget of around, I think I said $50, if around that budget, you could probably get away with split testing, you know, two landing pages, two images, two headlines, probably fairly well. What do you think, Alec? Yeah, I, I think so. I think 50 bucks seems to be, cause I mean, we, we do that in house for some of our own ads. We will start with right. 50 bucks and test a couple things. So I think that's, if you wanted to put a specific number on it, I think that's a that's a good one to do. Um, and I can't re- something you said, Chris, made me think of this. I don't remember what it was, so sorry. But the, that's okay. The, that happens um, to me all the time. But if, I just like I, I want to reinforce that idea of split testing different angles, like because this will tie into a question we have coming up too about sellers, about you know what's a good seller ad, um, and some of that is is you need to test what is a good seller ad for your market. And there really are multiple angles you can take. Do you offer like I can sell your home faster and, um, and for more right now, opt in and I'll contact you. Uh, Okay. Test that, but also test this other free thing where you're not offering to sell their house right now, but you're just offering helpful information. An ebook. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or or here's the complete guide to the, the 10 things you need to know before you list your home, split test those against each other and see which works which one works best for you. And I think you could probably pull that off with, with about 50 bucks or just a, right. a really effective split test. Don't you think Kevin? I do. I really do. I agree. That was a great point, man. Yeah. I think it's, a, I think it's a good question. And, and you know, it's kind of a, to my mentality of it, it's so up in the air because it, it also varies on where you're at, right? If you're advertising a, an ebook or a guide in LA you've got thousands of other people doing the exact same thing. If you're, if you're advertising that ebook in Montana, you're probably going to get probably, I mean, it sounds weird, but even though there's less people, you might get better results because those people want to sell their home and move to LA or something like that. So it's, it's, uh, it also varies on where you're at. It varies on the market. It varies on, there's a whole slew of things that you have to focus, like I said, focus in on and pay attention to and not just stress over the budget, not just stress over the time frame of you running that advertisement. So that's a good, uh, that's a very good point. De- the competition is going to vary depending on where you're at. And dep- if that's, if that's the case, if you're in like a really dense, complex metro area, um, consider doing something like flighting, uh, otherwise known as like pulsing advertising, which is basically advertising at 
odd irregular irregular time frames and intervals and mm-hmm. on and off with the ad that way you're saving your budget and uh, hopefully getting in on time frames where the competition is a little lower exactly that might be a way you can save some money That's but you're idea. absolutely right chris the competition is going to vary between you know areas obviously right and, and that goes into alex's point that he brought up um you know figure out the content that works first before you start freaking out over a 50 dollars ad campaign so split test, that's, it's a perfect example of why you need to split test. You know, like I said, there's thousands of other people doing that ebook. So figure out something else that nobody else is really doing and see if it works. It's, it's fresh, it's new, it keeps you relevant and people like new and fresh, obviously, right? Everybody does. So the more creative and original you can become, the better off your ad's going to be anyways. And then you can start thinking about, okay, well, let me run this hundred dollar, you know, let me run this $50 ad for a week mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So no, that was a great question. I really liked it. Did you guys want to say anything else about it? No, I'm good. Great question. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. We'll move on to the next one. Ryan Hogan um, asked, hi, guys. I'm just curious uh, what audience range you find to be most important for your Facebook ads. It seems the default range is 25 miles of your zip, which seems a bit high. Thank you very much. Alec, go ahead and take it away on this guy. Yeah, so I think this one um, really depends on your particular market and goals. Um, like, f- for example, like I'm, I'm from a smaller town and um, there's sort of a hub where the people, where it was about 50,000 people, but there was lots of little small towns surrounding it. And it wasn't uncommon for people to move in and out of those, or even like across the state line. And that was a, a 20 to 40 mile radius that people were, that would move back and forth in. And, and in that case, you would want that large thing. But if, if you're in a, a densely populated urban metro area, um, like 10 miles or five miles might be the, the area that you really want to operate in. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's a hard and fast, um, this number of miles is the best. It really does depend on your particular market. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Kelvin, did you want to say anything about that? No, I agree. Um, there's specific instances where maybe 25 miles, maybe the specific radius is going to be a very big factor. There's always a case where maybe that's going to happen, but I don't think that there's a set rule to that. I don't think that's the biggest factor. In most cases, it's going to come down to more or less the targeting, exactly. uh, the like audience you're creating, the, yeah, the, the interests that you're using. Those are going to be the more important elements of the ad, uh, much more important than the, the radius itself. Um, but again, typically, I think 10 miles is going to be enough as a general rule. 25 is going to be much wider and encompass um, a lot larger audience. But typically, me, there's many <clears throat> other things to focus on. Let me ask you this. Uh, Alec brings up a good point, right? He, lives in, he, lived in a, he grew up in a small town. Not small. I mean, relatively small. 50,000 people is tiny, actually. But you know, in, New <laughs> Me- in New Mexico, we're like, yeah, that's, that's a decent city. It's like the city. third largest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. So let's say... You have like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The ten mile radius is perfect. I think it's fantastic. When you have a specific instance, and there's all sorts of specific instances. Let's say you narrowed down your your search result or your your thing. You know, you you created that audience, and and in my mind, what I'd want to focus in on is where can I get the most savings and the most value of a home for a buyer, right? So you take into account. We've had a podcast about this before. Travel time. You take into account travel time going to and from work. You take into account where they want to live. And you take into account their budget. You know, there's places like we had a client who said that, you know, we live in um, New Hampshire, but we're really close to the border of Massachusetts. The thing that I wanted to home in on, and this, you know, he, he was brilliant. I thought it was a really good idea, actually. What if I run my advertisement to Massachusetts because Massachusetts homes are almost double the price. You can get double the house, double the land for half your money in, in New Hampshire. So, 
you know, when, when it comes to that, what do you guys think? Would there be a, would there be a benefit of maybe advertising to a different state or a different city or anything like that? So I, I mean, that kind of was part of, part of what I was saying before, like, for example, like the, the property prices, like it's not uncommon for where the town, the big town where <laughs> quote, where I grew up, um, people for people to move 20 miles away where they could get more land and the, was normal the property right. prices. And that's, that's pretty normal. But even then I think you would, you might do a bigger radius, but even then you want to, um, well, the, you're, you're I, still I feel other like targeting factors there of like someone who's likely to move in this area and then you're putting a very specific proposition in front of them. It still comes right. down to more than just the mile radius. My, right, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. My thing is too, like like I said, like uh, figuring out what your focus and your target is, right? So you can even do, you can even think more micro than macro instead of city city by city or state by state. Look in your town and see, even though the margins will be significantly smaller, obviously not half your home for half the price, mm-hmm. but look at the margins and sit there and say, okay, cool, well, this housing district or this this area of the zip code may, you know, it's a 10% cheaper house and you still get a brand new home with, with some really great additions. So maybe focus in on like advertising for that specific neighborhood. I think you're in on the right a, a track there area. with like the start with who you're marketing to, start with what you're offering them and then reverse engineer it from there. And the, right. the question of mile radius and all a bunch of other things kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question though. It is, it's kind of interesting. You know, did you want to add anything, Kelvin? No, no, I'm good. Cool. I, that was a great question. Good call on that one, Alec. Um, welcome to the big leagues in Albuquerque where we just busted a million people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a, I'm a country bumpkin. (laughs) All right. We will move on to the next one. Um, Rebecca Foster really had a fantastic question, I think, and it, it kind of threw us for a loop. So we did some research on it and taking a look at it. Um, she, she implied and asked inventory is so low that it makes my head spin. Uh, what ads have you been running to get good seller leads? I have had, uh, um, I have an, an ad I'm running now that has about a hundred clicks, but zero leads. So she's in a really densely populated market. I guess that, um, there's no, there's no seller. People don't want to sell their home because they're scared that they're not going to have a home to buy in the, in the long run. So, um, go ahead. Uh, whoever wants to take this one actually, cause you guys have been chatting up about this one for a good, like four or five hours. I cut you off on the last one, Kelvin. You go ahead on this. <laughs> cool. So, no, you're good, man. So uh, the biggest thing, and I've been watching this thread, It's it's been still pretty active on BeatZillow, and it looks like Rebecca's switched over to a new landing page with a video for buyers. And I think that was a great idea. She's she's really going to take into account the climate of the market and really ease up on, on being so aggressive with trying to get sellers and trying to get people to list. So um, that's going to be, I think, a very important decision that she made. Understanding where the customer's at in their journey is very important and why they're consuming the content but not converting is also a very important um, signal that you need to be taking note of. And also the fact that your ad was getting a large volume of clicks, but the fact that nobody was converting on the landing page should also signal, hey, I need to adjust my landing page. I need to adjust the approach, the value proposition. Let's talk about that. Go ahead, Chris. Let's talk about the landing page a little bit. I'm curious what you guys think about that. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so I sorry I threw you off there. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um. So let me see here. Where's the thread? There it is. So I put this. I found this link. This is her landing page. You guys can't see it if you're in Beatzillow though. Um, and you know where the thread is. Head on over there. The links there. You can check out the landing page. Um, and she did a good job. I, Alec and I were just talking about this though, and the biggest point that Alec made was 
the immediate value for somebody coming onto this page. And I'm not going to step on his toes. Alec, go ahead and say what you said about this. For the drawing landing page is what we're looking at, yeah? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, so um, so for me, first of all, it kind of took me a second because I was coming into this and I assume too, if someone's clicking over to this, they're coming into it with a, that it's about selling or something or it's either about selling or it's about a drawing and a raffle. And those two, at least in my mind, it took me a second to try to put those together and kind of figure out what this page was about. And I think anytime someone has to work that hard to think about and figure out a landing page, you're, you're sort of already um, playing catch up. Um, but the, uh, having said that the raffle part of it, I, I just don't think that um, selling your home is something that's like an impulse decision or, or something like that, where you would enter to win to like have a raffle and then sell your house. And then what happens to the other nine people who don't win now they're obligated to sell their house with you at full price. There's just, there's not a lot of immediate value for every single person that would land on this page. I, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think, I, yeah, the ratio, raffles, is, the ratio is a little strange on huh? nine to one or, or one to nine, really, you know, the raffle <clears throat> concept works really well with content in general and getting people to your site and getting people engaged on social media. I think in this specific example, it wasn't, it's not the best strategy. And again, I don't know how clearly this raffle was um, advertised in your Facebook ad itself. I didn't see it. I mean, the ad clearly got people's interest. Maybe there's a disconnect between the messaging you used there. But I have to, I really do agree with Alec. I think there's a lack of immediate value for every single person who lands on this page. And every landing page, there needs to be an immediate value um, for every single person coming through. And here's the thing is, is I think we could, obviously possible that we could be totally wrong about that. And maybe there was just a disconnect between how it was communicated in the ad and how it was communicated on the landing page. And maybe just syncing those up a little bit better could fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think you would have to take a look at those two and, and then make a choice about maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I have to agree with you guys on this one. I think that the raffle wasn't necessarily the right approach to getting people to sell their home. I think when it comes to having a person who's on the fence about selling their house, especially when they're really scared of like not being able to find one, um, you have to show them the immediate value of their investment. You have to treat their home like an investment, right? Um, this is a business proposition. We get that you're attached to it, but look at all of this freaking money you can get from it, right? That's the, that's the win in my book. If somebody came up to me with my house and I'm sitting there and I'm on the fence and they go, well, yeah. You bought this home in 2013 for $120,000. We could sell it right now for 240. How does that sound? You know, that to me is a better, a much more, it, it rings true to my ears and it gets me excited to want to sell my home. I just doubled my money or whatever. You know what I mean? Granted, it, you know, a smart person will sit there and say, yeah, I have to spend $240,000 on another home. But either way, that's not let's not jump ahead to that step. Let's just get these people focused in on knowing that they can make a crap load of money by selling their house. That's how I see it. Well, and, and even, even, um, even if you sort of put, actually, like I tried to put myself in the position of if, if I was going to sell my house, like where would my thought process be at? And I don't think I would ever opt into something if I was seriously thinking about selling my house and I was going to be a serious prospect for a realtor. I wouldn't opt into something because of a raffle or the potential to get it sold, quote, sold for free. I am more concerned with, like, can I trust this person? Is it going to be easy? Like, I, there's a whole bunch of other relational trust questions that have to be mm -hmm. answered before I'm just going to sign up and give my information to a realtor, in my opinion.
This might be a good yeah. opportunity for a downsizing ad. What do you guys think about that? Like people who have too big of a house, they can't afford it, or that you know, in this case, they don't have to downsize to a single story home, but maybe they can consider condominium living or apartment living as a lifestyle instead. Um, you know, maybe these people kind of got got ahead of their game and bought a big house, thinking they were going to get a family and and do that type of stuff, and then obviously the you know something changes. Um, what do you guys think about that as well? Yeah, I think there's a couple. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different good angles you could you could take. Um, the, the big, the one big point I would make is that you, you probably need to establish trust first before asking them to sign up or offering to sell their house for free. Those are like step five questions when this person might be on step one of just researching what are the first steps and what are the, what are the fears and concerns around selling a guide in the first place? Fantastic opportunity for a guide. Definitely. Cool. Well, let's move on. She, Calvin, you said that she created a, a new page, right? She did. She she took some advice and she moved on to creating a page focused on buyers. Um, and she also used a video, which was awesome to see. I love whenever agents or you guys use video on your landing page. It's Talk about building trust. Rare. I don't see it. Absolutely. Video is the best way to do that. I don't see that happening very often. So good for you, Rebecca, for using video. Um, and the video, I sent you the link to the landing page as well, yeah? Yeah, we um, saw it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. So she's asking about, she's using... Um, let me see here. She's using school districts specifically as the marketing angle in her, in her landing page here. And she's targeting buyers specifically, and she's addressing some of the fears that they presumably have because of the climate of her market, um, which was a big topic of discussion in BeatZillow was, you know, people are hesitant. There's this fear looming because of how, how aggressive the market is right now and the lack of inventory. Um, so I think it's an interesting angle and I love that she's using video and I do think this might pan out better. Um, right. Yeah. That I'm, being said, I'm curious to see. I'm just curious and, and excited to see how this does for her. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I'm I'm very curious. I hope if you're listening, Rebecca, I would love to see the ad too. Again, um, I always love having the ad in the landing page to see, so I can compare the two and make sure the messaging's succinct. Um, you know, maybe we need to add more more of a descriptive amount of text on the page itself. I don't know. Let's see. I'm excited. The videos are are going to perform well, though. I think moving forward for you. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. With that said, Alec brought up a really good point. Go ahead and take it away, Alec, about the video or about the content on the page. So the first thing that jumped out uh, to me on this is the the use of the phrase District 196. And I would just be curious to know, and then there was a couple other phrases in the video uh, as well, um, like saying MLS and saying, there was a couple like real estate jargon um, type phrases in there. And I would be curious to know how many people in your market actually know what district 196 is. Um, and I, it, cause it seems to me that most, um, the masses or whatever, uh, tend to think of things in terms of neighborhood names, like the Northeast Heights and then the school name, like Eisenhower, Eisenhower middle school or elementary school or whatever. I don't know how many people actually know, would know what district 196 is. Do you guys have a thought on that? I, that could be, and you know, that's a spitball maybe people in your area are very comfortable and are unfamiliar with what district 196 is but i do think that's a good point to bring up it could be a little vague um specificity is going to be your friend with this sort of thing and i'm sure there's a way that you could drill down into it and make it more specific with areas like alex said we it, here in albuquerque if you said northeast heights everybody would know exactly where that is right and what school that encompasses where where you're going to be 
Rio Rancho. Um, Everybody knows what you know. What two right. big schools are right there? So, Rio yeah. Rancho, RPS, Rio Rancho Public Schools. Like we all know the different those different terms. Maybe people are really familiar with District One Ninety Six specifically, but um, I think that might be a way for you to make that more specific as well, just to improve that landing page. Yeah, I mean, or focus like, in on like. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can take. I, it. I was just going to say before before we started recording, like I was saying that my wife and I bought our house in a very specific area to be very near very specific schools, but we knew the names of the schools and we knew the name of the area. I had mm-hmm. like at that time, I didn't know anything about district the one, district two, one two, four yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That would, that, right. that was totally foreign and, to me. And maybe there's a reason because I know, I know it's, I think it's referred to as steering. Uh, agents can't be specifically trying to push people towards specific schools. Right. I know they have to be somewhat neutral when it comes to that. So maybe that was part of the reason why she was just saying the district number itself without trying to specifically advertise schools. Maybe that was the part of the underlying cause of that. Um, I, I think I'm that's s- totally fair. I think you could still say the name of the area and then say, and then just say great, you know, right. great schools, blah, 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 without calling out a specific school, maybe. Um, I still think that would be better and more relatable to most people um, than a district number, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I, I think maybe that was part of the reason you did that. But um, I think you can still be comfortable knowing that you should, you can get more specific with it. And I think that would perform better. Right. <clears throat> no, good luck, Rebecca. I think this is going to be, this one might actually work out for you. Um, we are really excited to see uh, what's going on with it and how, how it works out. Um, hopefully you take some of our advice. If not, perfectly fine. Kelvin and Alec don't know what they're talking about, so it's no big deal. Thanks, buddy. Um, no problem. Got you <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we'll move on to the next one. Really, fa- That was a fantastic question, Rebecca. And that one, like I said, we were talking about it for a very, very long time yesterday. Um, so it's kind of fun to spitball and, and get some ideas for you. Um, the final question, I, I just like this question. Um, you know, we, we've updated our, our persona a little bit on video ch- for the last, like, three, four months. Um, Kelvin's done a really fantastic job on them. Uh, I'd still wish he'd change out that background, but that's a whole totally different story. The, uh, <laughs> um, Gene, uh, Petrino asked, Hey, Kelvin, are you using SoundCloud for your videos? If so, do I have to ask for permission to use the music from the web for the website? What's the process? Thank you. And I just thought that this was a really great question because every single, at least once a week, I get a question about, can I use this picture? Can I use this video? Can I use this song for anything? And uh, copywriting is a very, very scary, strange thing. And I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for you to take advantage of what we know about it and our experiences with it. Um, So Kelvin, take it away. Yeah, uh, I do use SoundCloud. I love SoundCloud because there's a lot of smaller artists on there that are always very excited to just get their music out uh, and get their music shared. And a lot of the times, if you're using it and you're linking back up to their SoundCloud and giving them credit, they're going to be more than happy and more than thrilled to allow you to use their music. I would always recommend making sure that you ask them, though. It's always, it's just, as, as well as just being a common courtesy, it also keeps you safe. Um, I have, I've had emails specifically with every artist that I've used saying, hey, I'd love your music. I would love to use it in my video, and I would love to make sure I give you credit and link back to you. And, and they've always said yes. But you always want to make sure you're covering your own trails and making sure you're safe using someone else's material. Um, right. So always email them. And a lot of them, if not most of them, have their, their contact information displayed in the message on their SoundCloud account. And then I believe Chris said you can message them directly too. On yeah. SoundCloud. Yeah. There's a little, uh, usually on like the little soundbite that you see, there should be, you can go to their page and then in the upper right hand corner, there'll be a little envelope and that's a direct message to the artist or whoever's managing the account. Um, yeah. And 99.5% of the time, 
they answer back within a day or two. So it's, you know, it's a really simplified, easy process to go ahead and get this stuff sorted out. Um, and Kelvin's 100% right. These people are excited that you're using their music and all they care about is that exposure. Um, you know, none of, these, none of these people are with Sony Records or Def Jam or, you know what I mean, or anything like that. These are just, you know, young kids with their computer in their, in their room and they just want to make some music and share it with the world. So why not, you know, it's a great way to take advantage of that opportunity. It's great brand exposure for them and it shows that you're relevant. It shows that you've got some good music. Obviously, you know, Kelvin, it shows that you have good taste in music. You know what I mean? It's stuff that nobody's ever really heard before. So thank you. Yeah. Chris helps me out too. He likes to shoot suggestions my way. He just digs through SoundCloud for hours, finding the perfect songs, <laughs> something he loves to do. Uh, you can also check out, go to YouTube and search no copyright music. There's going to be different channels available with different types of music that are just completely free to use. Um, and you can also check out an app called Quick. Uh, it's a GoPro app. GoPro has a couple different apps for making videos, and it comes with preloaded free-to-use music. So that's yeah. another way you can go about getting uh, or, adding that additional flair to your videos. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure Alex chomping at the bit. He actually just ran into this problem last week. Or this week, actually, wasn't it? Like on yeah, Monday or Tuesday. Well, it's, yeah. it's just so interesting. But, but, yeah, say it. I want to hear what you have to say because you're on the other side of the coin, right? You're an individual who actually had their media taken from them without permission. So and, well, and it was just—I mean, it was just a dumb little image, but it was like a custom image. It was like a stock image that we had paid for and then customized, and all these things. And then a, a competitor had, uh, maybe ish competitor um, had like sort of had taken it and just like used it without permission. And it's—it's it's the funniest thing. Just speaking in general now, that um, if you take it and use it without their permission, and they find out about it, how angry they will be. Whereas if you would have just sent a simple email and said, Hey, do you mind if I use that for this blog post or for this video or something like that? Almost always people are, if they're not a bigger, um, institution or whatever, almost always they're totally cool with it and they're excited to share and they're excited to help someone out kind of thing. But if you take it without asking, it's a whole, it's a whole different thing. So it's right. It's, really, it's always, always, always better. Trust so me when send, I say this guys, email, Alec was call. pissed. He was fuming. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I love that you brought it up, dude. I love that you're hundred percent right. Like just send a friendly email. It takes two minutes. Say, hey, I like this image. I wanted to use it for mine. Even if it is your competitor, dude. That The thing is, is 90% of the time, these people are going to sit there and say, yeah, go ahead, man. You got to put food on your table, right? It's the same idea. So, I mean, I don't know. My, my mentality with it is it never hurts to ask. And if they say no, it is 100 and even I would even say 110% their loss, not yours. If that person doesn't want to work with you for whatever reason, it is completely their loss. Move on. Kelvin said it himself. You know, if there's a song that I really like and they don't want me to use it, I there's I know there's two million other ones that I haven't I had the opportunity or tried to to ask about. You know, and and uh, that that's all it is. And I, I I bet you if if that guy had sent you an email, Alec, would you have given him that that image? Yeah, probably. Honestly, or, yeah, yeah. Or there would have been at least a very friendly discussion about it. And right, it ended up not being that because he. Yeah, he took it and then he made a stink about taking it off of his website. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Just send the email. Just make the phone call. <laughs> make the phone call, send the message, send the email. Uh, the podcast is a great example. We used to have that really, really crazy, like almost, it was like a deep house track. It's a little intense for, for the podcast. Um, we did some updates and revisions and we found a guy on SoundCloud. I sent him a message and what, two, 24 hours, we had a brand new intro and outro for the podcast with some really fantastic music on it. Yeah, so it sounds great. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's not hard. It's really, really easy. And, and like, you know, like we said, just ask. It's super simple. Um, 
So hopefully that gets you guys a little bit more comfortable. And this goes with any media. Music especially is really bad because those individuals can sue the crap out of you pretty quickly. Um, look at Napster, right? And then uh, images. If Alec wanted to, I really do think he has a case. A dude straight up stole it. Um, you know, was it? Yeah, I think he should have sued him <laughs> for everything he's worth. Personally, <laughs> no I'm kidding. But anyways, yeah. So copyright's a big scary thing. <laughs> the easiest way to to resolve it is just ask the ask the question. Right? Super simple. Yeah, yeah for sure. So. Um, cool. With that said, that is all for the Beatzillo questions. I really appreciate uh, Kelvin and Alec for sitting in and dealing with my shenanigans as as usual. Um, hopefully next week the beard will be a little longer for Alec and Kelvin will have some brand new f- spring fashion advice about hopefully not double monks. That was horrible advice, Kelvin. They're amazing. That's the best thing you can <laughs> I don't think possibly that, I don't buy. think those are a winter shoe. I just Thank, want to say that. I a winter they're... shoe? They're not I a, mean, shoe a summer period. shoe. I, I, they're, wear those they're shoes more ever. Of a winter fall shoe. They're not a they're not a summer <laughs> spring shoe. Hey, if gonna... you want to wear if you want to wear some like bright vibrant shorts with like these really low cut socks and the double monks, you're gonna look great. It's <laughs> gonna look Ox- amazing. Nah, dude, that's so a nice okay. Oxford button down with some bright vibrant. If you shorts, have an Oxford button down, socks, you're supposed to wear an Oxford our, shoe with our it. Shorts and boat, <laughs> are shorts and boat shoes out? Then is that the deal? That's what I wear. I've never, I've never liked boat shoes. Why they're they so are comfortable? In. People love them. That's okay. That's a personal thing, man. You would look good in them, Kelvin. I'm telling you, <laughs> I have some. I have some Sperry's. I just never wear them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna well, end on fashion advice, guys. Love you. We're out. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Take it easy. Thank you so much. If you do have any questions, comments, or want to go ahead and, and give us some advice uh, or, or whatever, just ask us what our favorite colors are. Go ahead and send an email to support at easyagentpro.com. Um, do us a favor and send us a tweet at easyagentpro. Um, other than that, any other r- avenues to get a hold of us? I think that's it, yeah? Yeah. Twitter, big ones, yeah. Yep. Uh, make it happen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for sending in all those fantastic questions and let's see you start getting those leads. Uh, Take it easy, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to In The Lead. If you have enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us an honest review. For more great content, check out our blog at easyagentpro.com. And as always, we'll see you later.